How's everyone doing today? Welcome back to On The Ball and welcome back to another review of the Premier League. And obviously me and my brother do predictions just before the weekend starts. And we have scoring system as well, which at the moment it's 275 to Sim, 277 to me. And the way the scoring works, it's five points for a completely correct scoreline, one point for a correct result. And the star man at the end of the episode, once you pick that man, you can't pick them again. It's five points for a goal, two points for an assist. And let's get into the weekend's action. It was goals, goals, goals this weekend in the Premier League. I think it's uh, the most goals out of any weekend in the Premier League so far this season. But we'll start off at Goodison Park. Second ever. Second ever? Yeah. Really? Wow. <laughs> Didn't realise there were that <laughs> yeah. many goals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, it. Um, let's start off at Goodison Park. 2-2. Two, two. Sim went for 1-1. I went for 2-1 to Spurs. I mean, it was very close to my result, but at the end of the day, Sim does get a point on the board for this one. Um, I think Everton just kind of got what you expected from Everton. Really dangerous from set pieces, really aggressive, uh, particularly in the midfield. And um, Spurs succumbed to the pressure really late on. 94th minute equaliser, two goals from set pieces from Everton. And it was... It was a clear target, wasn't it? Particularly in the first half where they just started crowding the keeper and um, really putting pressure on Vicario like Man City did right at the end of that FA Cup game. And um, I think Everton probably got what they deserved. Yeah, Spurs will be disappointed with their performance because they got bullied a bit by a very, very aggressive Everton side where it was a classic Deitch performance, not necessarily like sitting back and going long, but being very aggressive, um, being uh, very strong in the cha challenge. And obviously from set pieces being extremely dangerous and that's where they got their joy. Spurs obviously got their moments in the first half, two great goals from Richarlison. He carries on his amazing form. But Everton hang in there and they never kind of um, were out of the game. Second half, Spurs did take control a bit, but they didn't, wouldn't, weren't able to kill off the game. And in the Premier League, you always get punished for that. And then Everton, right at the end, got that set piece and they equalised. And they'll feel like they definitely deserve the point. Spurs will feel like definitely two points dropped considering it was uh, so close to the end and they were two and up. So... Really, really disappointing from Spurs' point of view. Really good point for Everton from their point of view. Um, although, it keeps them in the relegation zone for the time being, um, seeing as Luton got a point, which we'll talk about later. From Spurs, though, dropping out the top four now after that disappointing draw. Yeah, long way to go. I do think we will end up in the top four. Uh, you know, Sonny's coming back now, probably back for the next game. Basuma's back. So you're looking at a full strength and, and a fully fit Spurs squad uh, pretty soon with just, the, you know, only a few numbers out where a few weeks ago we were looking at like in the double digits of players out. And now uh, we're back down into the single digits and all our key members of the squad are there and ready. So I think we're going to have a strong mm. end to the season. And look, it, it looks like right now for all to see it, Spurs and Villa in a bit of a dogfight for that fourth spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but for Charleston, continues this kind of form. If he can continue scoring goals from now to the end of the season and um, really become a focal point for Spurs, that's going to benefit Spurs massively because he has he for the first fifteen games he wasn't even like considered as um, someone who to, to, to think about for Tottenham. But now nine goals in his last eight games he's now uh, one of the top goal scorers in the league so he's in phenomenal form and he could be he can make a big impact from now to the end of the season four goals behind Haaland uh, but let's just quickly touch on before we move on is there something to worry about at the moment with Vicario because you know the last two games well not the last two games but the Man City game and uh, this game against Everton it was something clearly the opposition were targeting through set pieces yeah I don't think it's Vicario specific I think it's um 
teams are being clever with how they're positioning. Look, we've seen it before. It wasn't, it wasn't just Vicario. We saw it at Burnley. We saw Liverpool concede a goal like that, um, although it was chalked off, but it was um, maybe shouldn't have been chalked off. Um, in recent weeks, teams are starting to put a lot more pressure on goalkeepers, and it seems like a... a um, something the referees are letting go at the moment and VAR is not getting involved. So I think players right now um, are standing on the goalkeeper, making it very difficult for them to come and claim um, crosses from corners. And and the referees are letting it go. So I don't think it's Vicario specific, but it's definitely something we need to address because we're allowing Vicario to come under pressure and we need to help him. We need our defenders to be strong and not allow our opposition players to bully our goalkeeper. And um, I think for sure it's something to look at. I don't think it's Vicario specific though. Mm. It did get a lot better in the second half though, didn't mm-hmm. it? I think Vicario was a lot better and a lot stronger from those corners where in the first half, I said to the guy next to me at the game, like it feels like every corner is a penalty at the moment Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how bad it was getting but let's go on to the Brighton game the big derby at the Amex it finished 4-1 to Brighton against Crystal Palace Sim went for 3-2 to Brighton I went for 2-2 and it was a resounding victory Uh, back on level terms now 2-7-7 to 2-7-7 this game was essentially done uh, by the 35th minute 3-0 up for Brighton and um causing a lot more problems for Roy Hodgson, which could be his last game. Maybe one more game in there for Roy, but um, it seemed, it does seem that he's on his last legs and it all culminated in it, bringing on Michael Elise at halftime, 10 minutes later, him getting taken off and it looks like he's out for a sustainable amount of time. Yeah, and this classic Palace, no Eze and Elise, uh, no party basically yeah. for Crystal Palace. They, they seem to have absolutely no threat whenever they don't have those two players on the pitch. You know, 3-0 down inside 35 minutes in this game, and it was one-way traffic. Brian were opening them up at ease. Uh, you know, in a derby game, you expect um, your side to come in there and show a bit of fight, show um, that you can go toe-to-toe with a team like Brighton. But Palace absolutely showed none of that. There was ugly scenes at the end as well with the Palace fans really having a go at um, the, the players on the pitch. And I think they've just lost all hope, and, they, and they're, they're frustrated at the moment with where their club is heading. Hodgson is just not the man to lead them we know that he's been sacked already a few years ago from Palace because um, this kind of um, uh, th- this set in a few years ago where it was kind of benign football. They were bored of it. Their club was heading nowhere. That's why they got rid of him a few years ago. He'd passed the sell-by date and they're just back in the same position um, because of a lack of foresight from the ownership. So I can understand Palace's frustration. And now the Lise out for the same period of time, Eze is still currently out, hopefully not for the, for the long term. But... I mean, I worry for them because, you know, without those two, I, I struggle to see them picking uh, picking up loads of points. And they're only right now five points clear of the, of the drop, which is not that much considering how much football is still to, uh, still to be played. So they've got to be worried about getting dragged into that relegation battle, I think. 100%. You look at the teams around them, Brentford, Forest, Luton and Everton. All four of those teams are capable of picking up points, especially, look, Nottingham Forest, um, they do have Nuno in there. They're not having the best run of form, but with Taiwa Awayoni back in the team as well, uh, they are capable of picking up points. So you're looking at all the teams around them, uh, which are very much capable, and then you're looking at Crystal Palace without Eze and Elise. Where are the points coming from? And Gehi's now out for a while, uh, a a month as well. Um, And you look at their team and you'll just talk about just the quality of the players they got. Like, apart from Eze and Elise, the quality of the players probably aren't as, aren't that great compared to their competition as well. So they've got to be worried. And in the next five games, <coughs> they play Burnley, they play Luton, 
and they play Nottingham Forest. Massive. So three crunch games for them. Massive. If they get a few wins, there, maybe they'll they'll have done enough to save themselves. Yeah. But I just if can't they're... see them doing anything without uh, those three players that you mentioned. Hmm. I really can't. A struggle. But Brighton back a uh, really big win for them. Obviously at home, um, puts them up to eighth um, on the coattails of United in um, in sixth. So maybe still up there in the race for Europa. Yeah, potentially. Uh, but let's go to Burnley against Fulham in a very topsy-turvy game at Turf Moor. It did finish 2-2. Sim went for 2-1 to Fulham. I went for 1-1. So I get a point on the board for this one. And you were very close to getting a five-pointer in this one. But it's a role reversal from the last game. But um, look, Fulham went 2-0 up quite early on. And you're thinking, is this another kick in the teeth for Burnley? Is this another no-show for Burnley and naive Burnley side? But they stuck together. They got two late goals and they took away a point. Yeah, and Fafana on loan from Chelsea got mm. got a brace as well, which is quite uh, ironic considering apparently Chelsea are complaining about not having a striker right now. So maybe <laughs> it was, he was right there and they've loaned him out to Burnley. But fair play to Burnley. Didn't give up at 2-0 down. A Fulham, a d- very difficult side to play against, especially for a team like Burnley who are near the bottom of the league. And to um, continue to fight and, and get that last-minute equaliser was a good turnaround. However... I mean, a draw doesn't help them that much. That's the reality. They need wins right now. Um, a point here and there um, is only going to um, basically kick the problems down the road. They need to be picking up wins. And being 2-0 down at home to Fulham is not good enough when, um, you know, look, we're in the second half of the season now. There's no excuses. You need, um, if you're going to stay in this league, you need to be showing that you're of the required standard. And at the moment, a draw at home to Fulham is not going to help them. That still, still leaves them at the moment. Seven points now behind Luton and Luton have a game in hand. So I think at the moment, the writing's on the wall. Unless they start picking up wins soon, the writing's on the wall for Burnley. I think it's already on the wall. When you're looking at 13 points picked up all season, it's nowhere near good enough. And that goes for Sheffield United, who are even worse, which we'll get onto a bit later in the episode. But I do kind of feel like Burnley and Sheffield United are already down. Like I can't see them salvaging anything. Look, you never know if one of them goes on a good run of points. I think but if anyone's going to do it, it will be Burnley. But again... Uh, they haven't shown the ability to do that so far, so there's there's um, no real belief that they're gonna con- they're gonna go on a crazy run at some point. Look, you've seen it before. Um, teams can just go on a you know th- put three or four wins together, and all of a sudden they're in a good position. But I've just got no belief Burnley are going to be able to do it at this point. And look, they'll 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 take heart that they didn't give up and they showed fight, but it's just at the end of the day it draws a bad result. Mm. Let's go to St. James's Park and what a game of football this was. 4-4 Newcastle against Luton Town. Sim went for 2-0. I went for 3-1 both to Newcastle and they will be absolutely kicking themselves um, that they didn't get uh, get a win in this game at home to Luton. You would expect them to win but you've got to give so much credit to Luton and specifically Ross Barkley, who was incredible in this game, once again, pulling through for Luton with a goal and an assist. Um, They just have that never-say-die attitude, Luton, don't they? Uh, Then They don't ever know when they're beaten. And a way where they haven't been at their best probably this season, where they've been really good at home, is really impressive to go to St. James's Park and, you know, keep plugging away and stay in the game. Well, they were four two up. Oh, they in were this four game. two up. Sorry, so yeah, they should. They, they all feel disappointed that they couldn't hang on to that lead and ended up, uh, you know, giving up. But they, you know, first half was crazy. They went behind twice. They came back twice again. As you say, showing that those mental characteristics that they can uh, continue to fight and, and not give up and actually have the quality to get back in the game against a good team like Newcastle. And as you say, Ross Barkley. What a season he is having. Unbelievable. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I mean, this might sound crazy, but if he continues this kind of form from now to the end of the season, 
Is he in with a shout of going to the Euros? I don't see why not. He's been unbelievable. He's been better than a lot of those sentiments. Like people like Gallagher who are going to be in the frame. People like Calvin Phillips. Like he's been so much better than both of those, in my opinion, anyway. I know he's playing for Luton, but he's you been astonishing. Is, yeah. I know, but I'm saying he should be on the shout, given his form. I don't see why not. I know um because he's like what, 29 now, maybe he's getting on a bit. People think he's past it, but he has been incredible this season. And again, against Newcastle, he was amazing. They got themselves 4-2 up. Adebayo getting another goal. Morris there. But unfortunately, they couldn't hang on to that lead. And uh, Trippier uh, found uh, got a goal um, before. And then Harvey Barnes on his return, getting on the score sheet, um, which was a welcome return for him because he's been out for four months and he's a player they signed for big, big money um, in the summer. So they're going to need him to return to form, especially with maybe injuries to Wilson and Isaac. I think Wilson actually came on in this game. Oh, Gordon went off injured, which was a massive shame for them. But great point. Uh, for Luton at the end of the day ish because you know 4-2 up is it a great point when you're 4-2 up and you don't get it maybe not but away Newcastle wouldn't have expected anything so overall it's a good point Newcastle from their point of view this season is badly slipping away from them I mean any thought of I think top four now is definitely gone there 12 points away from that but Still, maybe Europa League's open for them. They're five points behind United in six, so they've just got to concentrate on trying to get in that final Europa League spot. That'll be a big disappointment after last season, getting in the top four and you know signing so many players in the summer. You would have thought they would push on, but hasn't quite happened for them. But for Luton, they're now outside the, the bottom three, a point um, a point ahead of Everton, um, who are in 18th, um, and a game in hand as well. So if they win that game in hand, they're actually going to 15th, which is crazy uh, to think about. Um, Brentford also have a game in hand, but it's against Man City. Um, I th- believe Luton's game in hand is against Bournemouth. So, I mean... That I mean, it's incredible to think about. They could be in that position uh, if, yeah. if they win their game in hand. Rob Edwards done such a sensational job this season with Luton because, you know, you look at the beginning stages of the season when they were getting battered week in, week out. We were sitting here saying, are they going to get the least amount of points in Premier League history? And look how he's turned it around when they, they've got a really good chance of staying in this league this season. Mm-hmm. So you've got to give so much credit to Rob Edwards and the job he's done. But let's talk about Eddie Howe. Um, if they don't make Europa League football this season, is his job under threat? I think it's got to be. Um, I, look, we don't know how these new owners are going to react because we haven't seen them um, sack a manager before or when a manager been under, under pressure because ever since they've come in, come in, it's pretty much been an upward trajectory up until now. So it will be interesting to see if they miss out on Europe completely, will how be let go or will they give them up, um, time to kind of... Um, because this season's been very difficult, injuries, all this kind of stuff, but a lot of teams have had those injury problems, so you can't fully put it down to that. Um, so I do think it's under pressure. I don't know if they'll sack him. I, I'm unsure. I think they'll probably not sack him. I reckon they're going to give him time. But look, we don't really know what these owners are like, so they could very easily sack him. Mm. I kind of feel like they will stick with him. And also, like if they were to qualify for the Conference League this season, when you look at what Newcastle have been like for the past 10 years in the Premier League. Obviously, they got Champions League last year, which I think was an overperformance and also Mm. a drop-off from other teams. So maybe they are reverting a bit to what their level is. I think their level is above what they're showing right now. But if they do finish in the Conference League, is that not a really good opportunity for Newcastle to win a European tournament? And They've got to see it that way, for sure. I know it'll be a bit bit disappointing having been back in the Champions League, but I agree with you, Um, I think. 
they've been very very much a mid-table side um, and Wall got relegated even not that long ago. So I agree, they should look at it as a real opportunity to get a trophy. Mm. Uh, let's go on to Sheffield United against Aston Villa. Sim went for 2-2, I went for 2-1. 2-2, you went for a draw in this game, but it was an absolute battering. This game was game over from 20 minutes in or something like that, 3-0, 4-0 at halftime with a really good goal from Yuri Tielemans. Um, I was expecting some more, uh, a lot more goals in that second half, but it didn't come. It did end up finishing 5-0. Ollie Watkins putting in an absolutely brilliant performance, three assists and a goal. And Jeff United just couldn't deal with Aston Villa by any stretch of the imagination in this game. And I think uh, we spoke about Burnley being the writing on the wall for them. The writing most definitely is on the wall for Sheffield United. No change of manager has not helped whatsoever. Not on results-wise. I thought performances before this game were improving slightly, but obviously they did lose 8-0 at home to Newcastle uh, near the beginning of the season. And now this could have easily been an 8-0 if yeah. Villa didn't take their foot off the gas in the second half, which they did. I think it was 4-0 at half-time. And uh, I think, I don't know if it was Mercy or they maybe just relaxed for the second half, but they completed their foot off the gas. And it was kind of like, let's just see out this game and no injuries, don't have to exert too much uh, on the game. And it, and and look, they came away with the final 5-0 victory. It was so easy for them. I've never seen, I thought, Sheffield United you know, pride themselves on being a bit solid defensively, kind of hard to break down, but Villa found it so easy to just slice through them time and time again. Watkins, Leon Bailey just causing absolute havoc in that forward line. Douglas Louise playing beautiful passes in behind as well. Um, and it was easy. Sheffield United had absolutely no answer. And it was from, from their point of view, showed a real lack of fight. Very disappointing uh, for them, how, the, how they uh, uh, reacted to this game. And Villa... A really big win and they needed a big confident performance after the recent form they've been on because they've been slacking a bit you know one win in the five before this game so um they'll really welcome a real a big, big performance with loads of goals as well and um They'll think it puts them back on track. It puts them back in the top four. Good away away from home win as well. But I agree. I think Sheffield United, they're down at this point. I can't see them uh, mustering anything. Well, we're, we're into the second half of the season. They've got 10 points all season. Um, yeah, a joke, to be honest, for, for Sheffield United. But look, you know, you're talking about them priding themselves on, on being tough to beat Sheffield United, but they have this capitulation in them, don't they? You know, like you mentioned, 8-0 earlier on the season, 5-0 and both at home. 59 goals conceded. It's actually crazy. Yeah. That's mad. That's terrible. That's crazy. It's terrible. You've got better. You've got much wow. better teams in the championship right now than what Sheffield United and Burnley are showing, 59. in my opinion. 59. That's nuts. Like you're looking at like Leeds and Leicester. Um, you know, they're, they're better teams than Sheffield United and Burnley. They're like... That's nearly three goals a game on average. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Disgraceful. That's crazy. Uh, let's go on to the Sunday games. Bournemouth one, Nottingham Forest one. Sim went for two one. I went for three one. Both to Bournemouth, um, but they'll be really disappointed that they didn't get three points in this game. Yeah, at home um, to Nottingham Forest. Um, you, they, they took the game to them, and they thought. I think they did. They went one up, didn't they? And yeah. they're thinking they're on, on for a good thing, but. Clive up. Uh, but Hudson, yeah, really good equaliser, cut inside. He hasn't done that nearly enough um, in his career, let alone on loan at Forest. He's done it a couple of times, but he's always threatening to show mm. that quality. But he can't seem to do it on a consistent basis, Hudson Adoy. But um, good point for Nottingham Forest going away from home after Nuno. Good start, but it seemed that results were slipping away from him last last few weeks. Um, but really good point away from home. Bournemouth, obviously, look. 
they'll be disappointed with the draw, but is what it is. Sometimes you drop points against these kind of teams who look to frustrate you, and that's exactly what happened. And I think Bournemouth will still be um, happy with where they are on the table. Uh, right now, they're four points behind 11th place Chelsea with uh, a game in hand. So, look, if they if that is against Luton, if they can win that game in hand, it puts them getting close to the top half, which would be an incredible achievement for them if they can manage that. But yeah, they'll be disappointed that they couldn't um, get allow their domination to um, to tell in this game. Yeah, um, but let's move on to Chelsea against Wolves. It finished four two to Wolves at Stamford Bridge. Sim went for two one. I went for one nil. Both to Chelsea, and you know Chelsea have been going pretty well in terms of results at home of late. This one became as a bit of a surprise and a shock to me after you know Wolves lost their last game to Manchester United quite convincingly. Well. Wolves did get it back, but I thought for the most part, the way the game went, Man United did deserve the victory in that game. Um, but Chelsea, embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing from Chelsea. Cunha getting his hat trick as well. Um, to lose 4 2 at Stamford Bridge to Wolves is mm. is just nothing short of an embarrassment. That's all I can call it. Yeah, and you were, they were 1 0 up as well. Cole Palmer gives them the lead. Looks like, okay, they're going to go back to winning ways after a battering in midweek against Liverpool, and it seemed okay. But um, very quickly, things started to turn. Wolves with that incisive counter-attacking style that they like to play with back within a minute wasn't it yeah they scored very quickly and then well to be fair to to be fair to Chelsea both goals that gave Wolves a lead with two deflections so you cannot say they got a bit unlucky but the way they came out in that second half to try and get back in the game was absolute disgrace they got carved open time and time again Pedro Neto was running absolutely right mm. down the right hand side they just had no answer to him Cunha was finding all kinds of spaces in that false nine position uh, and they were just carving them open time and time again. They got that penalty late on after a really bad challenge from Gusto on Cunha, and um, Cunha make, get, gets his hatchery. And it could have been 4 1 before that, Sarabia missing a sitter. And obviously, Thiago Silva's header late on gives the score a bit more respectability in terms of it's not 4 1, it's 4 2. But I think on the balance of play, Wolves definitely deserve the victory. And Poch is under serious, serious pressure now. It's really turning toxic between the fan base and, and him. And um, the results are really, really poor. Right now, they're in the bottom half. I mean, this is Chelsea Football Club. I know they finished 12th last season, but 12th se last season was an absolute disaster. They went through, what, three managers last season. Um, so it was a complete mess and shit show. Pochettino was supposed to come in and steady the ship a bit, at least show some sides of improvement and get them back into at least a Europa League spot I think that was a minimum for him this season get them into at least top six and get them like looking like a decent team again but right now I mean you just got to say it's really not working they're 11th um, 31 points Potter had more points at this stage of the season than he has this season so I mean um, the the fans are really turning on him. You can really see the Tottenham side of things really rearing a ugly head when when it comes to how they feel about him um, and how he's doing at the club. I always felt like once once things were really bad, they would use that against him. That's exactly what's happening. Um, I mean, look, maybe in the maybe in the stadium it's different to on social media, but then there were loud boos in the stadium at full time. On social media, all you see is potch out. They want him gone. Blah blah blah. But you know, we're hearing reports that they can't afford to sack him because they might be in breach of FFP. So Chelsea in a real mess right now. Yeah. Real mess. And I don't I know mean, if he would... I mean, will he last the season? I don't know. I mean, it's up in the air at the moment. Can they afford to sack him? I don't, it depends. If they can, will they? That's the thing. I think if they can afford to sack him, they might. But then where do you go? Where do they go from there? Because it didn't work out for any manager under, under this ownership last season. It's not working out this season. They've burned Tuchel. They've burned Potter. They've burned, and, and if they burn Poch... Where do they go? These managers are not bad managers. Mm -hmm. All three of those managers are good managers. 
So in which direction do they go? Back to Jose Mourinho? That's what I'm hearing from the Chelsea fans. They want Jose back. Yeah, look, I, I think if uh, you, I'm Todd Bowley, I think you just got to stick with it and just roll whatever happens this season. You just got to ride it. I think you just got, again, the season's gone pretty much. You're not getting, I don't, you're definitely not getting top four, that's for sure. In terms of Europa League, they're now seven points behind six. So that's looking like a bit distant at this point as well, yeah. uh, Europa League. So this season's gone. So then you've got two options. Whether So option one is, you sack Pochettino, you bring in another interim manager to try and see out from now to the rest of the season and try and get a bouncing results and try and snatch even a conference league spot, I guess you're looking at, at this point. Or do you stick with Pochettino, you get you allowing more time and you bank on the fact that maybe he sets foundations for next season which you can build upon and i think that that would be the smarter option in my opinion just because the season's gone now there's no if you're if you're getting an interim manager you're just wasting more time and kicking the can down the road you might as well see if poch can build something from now to the end of the season set foundations forward and if he can't then at the end of the season you sack him and bring someone in but if you sack him now and bring an interim manager in um then you're just you're not setting anything up you're because you're going to kick that pro you're at the end of the season you're probably going to have hired a new manager anyway so what's the point you might as well stick with potch but you if you're a chelsea fan you're well within your right to say this guy you might as well cut your losses now because he's showing not to be good enough and it's hard to argue against that right now because he's not showing anything yeah i've said it time and time again throughout the season that this is going to be a difficult season for chelsea but they need but this uh, difficult well look like I didn't think it would be this difficult no but I always thought and I still think that if they give the manager time let him gel the team they'll they'll um they'll be the beneficiaries of it in the long term right now it's very hard to see that but I still believe that Pochettino with the squad that they have could be and will be the right man for the job if they give him the time who the hell brings in as many players as they bring in and expects it to gel straight away? It's never going to happen in a million years. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't the way Chelsea have worked over the past uh, 10, 20 years. It's a completely new way of working within the club. So they need to give something time. If they don't give something time, the next manager is going to come in. The same thing is going to happen. They're going to sack him six months later and it's going to be a revolving door. But it's bad. They're, they're behind Wolves though. Gary Neal already joined the club in the summer. I know yep. he's doing a great job, but... Like, he's made more of like an immediate yeah, impact in Chelsea Everton. Wolves didn't bring in 20,000 players in the summer and, and over the last two years, you know? It's a completely different story there. Completely different story. Like, Chelsea have brought... How many players have Chelsea brought in over the past uh, two transfer windows? Mm, it's crazy amount. It's madness. You can't expect them all to come in and gel straight away. Yeah, but I think at the moment... It's really up in the air. It's a coin toss whether he's going to last the season at this point. And, uh, I think uh, it's all going to come down to if they can afford it or not. And the reports at the moment are this, he still retains the support, but with every bad result, the pressure is going to keep building and building and you're going to get more and more reports of players unhappy and all these kind of things. So it's the pressure is really on. And they've got the cup final coming up. So I reckon he's going to get into that cup final. Um, whatever results happen but, and if they lose that cup final I reckon a one more bad result and he could be gone look at this Chelsea's next uh, six games Man City away on the weekend oh wow okay um, Liverpool in the cup Brentford away Newcastle at home Arsenal away I mean I don't see many wins there. No. <laughs> I don't see many points there let alone wins uh, Burnley at home Man United at home You know. so 
Will he last till that Burnley game? That's the thing. Will he get to Burnley? Because he needs that to get that win, <laughs> to get that win on the on the board. That's going to be interesting. And, and they're lucky as well because the Tottenham game got postponed. Because uh, I think we need the we need this game to happen recently. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, let's go on to Manchester United against West Ham. Finished three 0 to Man United, and they seem to be back on form at the moment. We both went for two one. And I think it was a well-deserved victory for United. They seem to be um, going pretty well at the moment. Garnacho scoring two goals as well, carrying on his Ronaldo celebrations. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Di Maria or someone said, I think you need to stop celebrating like Ronaldo. <laughs> it's like, a, I don't get it, like pure Argentinian, like channeling his inner Cristiano Ronaldo. But anyway, um, but things are starting to look maybe a bit more positive for United. Yeah, starting to click a bit. Hoyland obviously looking really good on really mm. sharp at the moment. Great goal he scored as yeah. well. And he's really starting to get the, those quality finishes that we were that we saw um, um, glimpses of at Atalanta. Um, and he's really starting to perform for United. I think it's four goals in a row now for him. So fair enough. And he's, he's starting to really make an impact. Garnacho, um yeah, great impact as well off the right-hand side. Two good goals and, well, one was deflection, the second one on the breakaway. The only thing I'd say about this is, again, West Ham really disappointing away from home. Um, I, they've played some, had some really big performances away from home against big teams, beating Spurs and beat Arsenal um, away from home this season. But it seems like without Paquetar, they're just missing that glue in the front three and Bowen and Kudus just don't have the same impact without him. So um, really disappointing how they just didn't really lay a glove on Man United. Man United found it too easy. But Man United, to be fair, that's now three three games unbeaten, two wins in a row. So signs of life. I still think they, they're, they're six points outside the top four. So look, they'll believe that that gap is small enough to overcome. But I just feel like are they consistent enough to to really challenge it? Um, they're they're much they're closer to tenth than they are to fourth. So I think that's probably a better indication of how where they are at the moment. Um, but maybe signs of life with uh, with things turning for them. But I'm still not convinced. I know they got a good win and they did play well midweek against Wolves as well. But I'm still got a long way to go to convincing me that they're going to go on a good run. But you know what? You know, how things can change very quickly. You know, if United get two positive results next two games and Spurs or Aston Villa start um, have a few uh, ropey results, you know, the gap's going to close very quickly. It's only mm -hmm. six points between Man United and Tottenham. Yes, yeah. that's not very much at this stage of the season. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're closer to second than they are to us. So, like, it's not a lot, but we have no belief we're going to, you know, finish in the top two. Yeah, so, like, I, I feel like Man United still needs to show that consistency. That's still two games, and that's still a buffer. So whether Man United have that consistency over the next 15 games to... Even, it's one thing closing the gap, there's one thing sustaining it as well. Are they going to do that? I, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I don't think they will. Yeah. I hope not anyway, uh, because I said there's no chance they finish in the top four this year. Uh, but in terms of West Ham and David Moyes, I mean, in terms of their league position, it's OK uh, from that standpoint, still in Europe as well. But with this talk about David Moyes extending his contract from uh, after this season, I'd be really disappointed if I was a West Ham fan. I think I'd be a massive mistake. Get a manager who's going to play on the front foot, who's going to take risks, who's going to get the best out of that front three. I know they've been doing well this season, but I reckon they've got another level to unlock. And I think they just need a progressive manager. They need new ideas. And I think it'll be a massive mistake to um, keep Moyes on for another season, in my mm -hmm. opinion, even though their league position's decent. I just think that, if anything, that shows the potential they got rather 
than how good Moors is doing, if yeah. you know what I mean. Because yeah. they got a good team. Yeah, 100%. Let's go on to the big game from the weekend, which was Arsenal against Liverpool, which finished 3-1 to Arsenal at the Emirates. Sim went for 2-2. I went for 2-0 to Liverpool, so we were completely off the mark in this one. And I think it was a really impressive performance from Arsenal, unfortunately. Um, Liverpool just didn't seem themselves, to be honest, in this game. They failed to really lay a glove on Arsenal throughout the whole game. The only goal that they did score was a massive screw-up at the back from the Arsenal defence, Gabriel and Saliba, um, with Gabriel getting the own goal on the day. Yes, the a few of the goals that Arsenal scored were also very big mistakes from Liverpool, but I think Arsenal were really worthy winners in this game. Yeah, I think there's definitely a case to say Arsenal earned their own luck because they were much the better team. Liverpool really struggled to impact the game, um, uh, struggled to create chances. Arsenal were very, very solid defensively. To be fair, I think Arsenal, apart from maybe they lost at home to West Ham, but they've been actually pretty good at the Emirates this season and they're always very, very difficult to play against. I think their pressing system, once they have the home crowd behind them, they get very, very intense and it's probably so hard to play through that pressing structure that Arteta's um, calibrated, especially with those young players they have. And Jorginho actually came in and had a really really good game what i would say is first half um um arsenal miles the better team should have gone in ahead very very unlucky to have got the game um to 1-1 with the goal right right, um right at the end of the half which was really against one to play i did feel like in the second half Liverpool came out the better team and um, I didn't feel like they did much but they were the ones you know in in possession and they were the ones looking to break Arsenal down I felt in the second half and then that completely got undercut when um, that massive mistake from um, Van Dijk and Alisson mm. that mix up and falls full to Martin and then once we went to 2-1 I feel like Liverpool lost their heads a bit Konate gets sent off and then Trossard um, goes and makes it 3-1 with a bit of an, another lucky goal so Arsenal well deserving of the victory a really impressive display in what really put them back in the title race from their point of view because that puts them level on points in Man City City do have a game in hand but that's two points off the top so uh, from I think they needed to win this game to have that belief that they actually could be involved in a title race and that win would definitely do that I still have question marks more about their away performances and at home but at home to Liverpool who uh, only lost one game before this the whole season very impressive yeah Liverpool don't like going to North London this season that's for sure but yeah. what is going on with Alisson in the big games this season had a ropey performance against Man City earlier on in the season another ropey performance against Arsenal in this one um, you're talking about the best goalkeeper in the world here yeah um He's, look, he's he's had mistakes in him before. This is Allison is a, a goalkeeper who you know comes out of his box. He takes risks and sometimes it goes wrong. And it went completely wrong in this one. But um, yes, yeah, look, it just happens. I've seen him make mistakes in big games. I've seen Edison do it. I've seen them a big a lot of big keepers do it. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. Mm. And last but not least, the Monday night football at the Brentford Community Stadium. It was Brentford 1, Manchester City 3. Sim went for 1-0 to Man City. I went for 3-1 to Man City. So I get a big fat five-pointer to finish the episode off with. And Brentford took the lead in this one with a really um, strange goal. You know, Mark Flecken with a lovely ball down the field. Um, and it looked like it was in aiming for Ivan Tony, but he kind of like left it backed into the defender and it fell all the way through to Neil Morpai, who was in an offside position, but obviously didn't touch Tony. So no offside could be given from the goal kick. So um, he finished off really well, didn't he? Neil Morpai, who's on a really rich vein of form at the moment. But I think apart from that moment, it was all one-way traffic apart from a few breakaways for, for Brentford. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, 
Brentford did what they do best, try and counter-attack, try and get joy from set pieces, but Man City were just too good on the day. I think Flecken made, what, nine saves in that first half? Ten saves? Which is a record for amount of saves. So even though they went in, um, well, they didn't go in because Foden scored on the stroke of half-time, but even though they nearly scored, uh, they nearly went in um, at half-time 1-0, it wouldn't have been deserved. It would have been against run of play. So I think... Man City definitely deserved to get an equaliser and feel it was a Phil Foden show in that second half. Two brilliant goals. And I thought um, he was a star and, and De Bruyne as well, getting another assist on the board. I thought he was a shining light yet again. And Man City kind of showing their, striking their stuff yet again um, and showing their title credentials. And that's now five wins in a row. I think it's nine wins in a row in all competitions. And it's classic Man City second half of the season. It's like clockwork every season, isn't it? You know, a bit of a dodgy first half. Everyone's being like, oh, where's the Man City of last season? Are they uh, starting to drop a bit? Are they letting their standards slip again? Second half of the season comes and they are just like an absolute steam train. Just nobody can beat them. Yeah. Um, and they're doing it again, aren't they? And uh, if they win their game in hand now, they go straight top of the league. Uh, but let's move and finish off on the star men. Sim went for Anthony Gordon. I went for Dominic Solanke. No goals, no assists for either of them. I got robbed. Uh, robbed, yeah. Robbed. Massively robbed. Massively and robbed. Um, Sim finishes on 279. I finish on 285 in a topsy turvy year of Predict the Prem. But thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.